to Freshly Forever, a podcast that gives you fascinating insights week after week. Here's your host, Vai Kumar. Hey folks, welcome to another episode on podcast Freshly Forever. Today I have the pleasure of talking to Shreya Vishwanathan. She is into music therapy and she was first introduced to it when she was 16 by her high school choir teacher. She has done an internship with Fulton County Schools and uh, she graduated from University of Georgia in music therapy. She is also board certified and received a music therapy license to practice in the state of Georgia. With great pleasure and joy, I welcome Shreya here to the show. Hey Shreya, how are you? Hi, so good to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm doing great. How are you? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's so much fun, you know, like uh, talking to people who um, specialize in fields that one wouldn't really think of. And music therapy, I guess, happens to be one. So how about we start with what exactly is music therapy and who can benefit from it? Sure. So um, first of all, just thank you for having me here. And I, I love talking about music therapy because I love to talk people's ear off and this is just the best <laughs> opportunity. <laughs> so thank you. Um, well, music therapy, my professor in college put it really simply, it's just using music to achieve non-musical goals. That's just uh-huh. as simple as that can get. And the purpose of it is to better people's lives and give them a higher quality of functioning and um, just a better quality of life overall. And and the other answer is just it's everyone. Everyone can benefit from it as long as they're seeking music therapy out as a source mm-hmm. that they want to help them. Um, you know, music therapy can be catered from the beginning of life all the way to end of life care in hospice. And so it's just there's no population that is turned away if it's if that person is seeking music therapy. Uh-huh. Okay, fantastic. Uh, If we were to target at how it is done, what would you say towards that end, like in terms of an approach or a methodology? Mm -hmm. The great thing about music therapy is that there are millions of different ways to do it right. Um, Mm -hmm. But on the flip side, you know, there's there's ways to do it wrong, too. Uh, (laughs) Oh, yeah, sure enough. You know, there are right and wrong with anything. And I'm sure, you know, (laughs) getting it right is uh, almost, you know, super challenging, but getting it wrong is super easy. Yes, yes. I mean, that's why there's so much training involved. It's very much an art and a practice at the same time. So Mm -hmm. there are so many different types of methodologies and approaches. You know, I can name a few. For example, there's neurologic music therapy, which targets uh, specific parts of the brain that is to deal with communication and cognitive function and Mm -hmm. motor function. And, you know, let's say if we were to take that in a hospital setting, there would be a medical music therapy approach. You know, we could use uh, music to support procedures that could be potentially painful or uncomfortable for a patient. Um, I work in a school setting. So, you know, maybe I would look at more of a behavioral approach where I would use music as a positive or negative reinforcer for my students to keep them engaged and Uh ultimately achieve those goals that I would want them to. Okay, so is it almost like the therapist's choice as to lean toward one methodology or the other? Or is it like um, 
maybe like location specific or uh, whatever you mm-hmm. say in terms of whatever setting you are part of then you kind of though you know the different approaches you just kind of tailor make it to that situation yeah absolutely it's all of the above so it's very much what the therapist is interested in so i am very interested in kids so i went the school route but uh-huh. i have friends that are very interested in the hospice route you know that's a very challenging setting i mean every setting is challenging in its own way but it's very much um what you would choose to specialize in and mm-hmm. then there's you know there's the general training and then there's specific branches of music therapy that you can specialize in so it is absolutely according to the therapist's desire and what they want to go into and then to further your education in those departments and just so you can meet the client's needs where they are okay so yeah. is your certification then also like does it pertain to the specialization or could it just be generic and then you kind of choose where you want to be yes there is a general certification for music therapy um and then the licensure is also state um specific so i got certified in the board of music um therapy. So that's just a general certification and then if I mm-hmm. wanted to further my education to say I wanted to work in the NICU um with premature babies, I would need a special certification for that. Um if I wanted to be a neurologic music therapist, I would need a special music therapy certification for that. So it really just depends on your environment and who you're wanting to treat. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. uh leads me to this question it almost seems like then it can apply to both individuals or groups correct mhm absolutely um, okay. you can mm-hmm. yeah go ahead oh <laughs> um it's very much dependent on the client's need so if that client or patient or student is um conducive to an environment that does host a group session then you know that's great but if they're not there yet in terms of you know how they're functioning or if their social situation isn't quite um you know if a group isn't accommodating to that then they would definitely start off in an individual setting first and going along with that we definitely want to make sure that everyone in a group setting is is somewhat along the same level of mm-hmm. um functionality because you know if we had three people in a wheelchair and one person that wasn't that session would have to be tailored to each person and accommodating to each person and while that's possible it would be definitely a little more challenging and um it, it's just it's just taking into consideration where each client is even if it is in a group setting and um how they would perform in that okay okay mm-hmm. um so you just kind of assess the needs of the individual that's in question and then you go about Absolutely. it that way Yes, that is always the first step is assessment and um figuring out what exactly they need to be treated and what they need help with um in that session and going forward for the whole treatment process. Okay. Um now that you have said all this Shreya, what about the goals that one can hope to achieve or say address with music therapy? Yeah, I think see that again it has to do with the environment so if uh because goals are just a, such a broad term 
If mm-hmm. I were to say um, in a school setting, I would probably have to focus more on that social aspect because, you know, mm-hmm. they are in a classroom with other kids. Maybe if um, they were in a special needs classroom and had a learning disorder, I would probably focus on academic goals. You know, if they were more um, uh, profound, if it was a more profound disability, my goal would probably more be more motor based. Mm-hmm. So it's very much dependent on the child or the student or the patient or the client or whatever they are in that setting. If I were to go to a hospital, um, maybe my goal would be pain management and how to, you know, lower those cortisol levels with that they, Mm -hmm. you know, stress hormones that are produced during these painful procedures or whatever, I would probably focus on that. So goals, the ultimate goal of every music therapist is generalization. How can we take the skills that we are giving to this patient or learning alongside of them and have them translate it to a real world setting? Mm-hmm. How can they use whatever is learned in a music therapy session outside of a music therapy session? So that is the ultimate goal for any music therapist. Okay. So kind of expand their wings and then be able to achieve, you know, not just that, you know, not just be limited in scope, if you will, but then, you know, broaden the horizons very much so Um, okay that is that is the ultimate goal okay perfect and so you you touched upon wellness you know like uh, it can alleviate stress or pain so Mm -hmm. does it also you know help take care of you know one's feelings emotions and then in the process say even with a setting like your students maybe you know enhance their communication skills and so, so on Yes, very much so. So the feelings and, you know, if a person with trauma in a behavioral health setting, that might be the main goal is to process through their feelings and have more of that insight oriented therapy. Um, that's actually, I mean, there's a separate approach um, that focuses on that of that unconscious material that drives behavior, the psychodynamic music therapy approach. Um, so there's, it's a, it's such a vast array of, of, um, approaches that that can really help very singular types of symptoms and very singular types of disabilities. That's what I love about it is that you can really just pick anything that a person may have some problems with that they want to address or work through and music therapy is just going to be in the backseat there for you to Mm -hmm. help you through that. Okay. So how did you get initiated into all this? And if we were to, you know, look at your journey and what about you know, historically, if you were to talk about music therapy, how far does this date back to? Um, well, you know, there is evidence of music therapy, like all the way in the 1800s, um, the, whether it was a established profession at the time, you know, there that comes a lot later, more so in the 20th century. Um, the father of music therapy is, is E. Thayer Gaston. He wrote a publication of like how music therapy works essentially. And is like super monumental in the organizational and professional standpoint of this profession. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's very much a, and I think, um, the first music therapy program was in Michigan state university. So Mm -hmm. it, it, it very much started to take off during the 1940s and is still growing today. So it's very much a relatively new profession when you compare it to like physical therapy or speech therapy. So uh-huh. it, it's still growing. It's still very much on its way to making it out <laughs> out there in terms of, you know, people hearing about it. Okay. So, yeah. You talked about Michigan State University introducing it mm-hmm. first time, but what about 
uh, the reach as far as uh, how much you know acceptance there is to the curriculum now, and like is it it has it become like a very common thing in colleges? You know that is the hope for this profession is that it is something that's more recognizable and and that's uh-huh. just simply not where it where it is at the moment but that is definitely the hope of everybody that studies this um degree you know seems like it can do a lot of wonderful things so why not absolutely right think- yeah see that's what i've been trying to tell people <laughs> uh-huh uh-huh so yeah. um, is it just common here in the states or is it practiced all over the world It's definitely practiced all over the world. The best part about that is music is different everywhere. So with that comes different cultural aspects, different musical aspects, and I think it's also important to take into consideration that music isn't exactly important in every culture. So there it is possible for music therapy to not be helpful in certain situations where it can be contraindicated to certain individuals because if we were to take the deaf community, um, you know, music is not always in some parts of the deaf community it's not recognized as a staple it's not recognized as something that is like needed so for me to push music therapy to someone that doesn't want it would be wrong um but i think with that comes so many different kinds of approaches and and perspectives on music therapy in different parts of the world i know um where i'm from and and my family's from in chennai there is a music therapy school there um that utilizes indian classical music and maybe other forms of light music i don't know super a lot about that but my goal is to like i want to be educated in that realm as well um uh-huh. one day so that is a goal of mine in the future but yes absolutely music is everywhere within the states i think when it comes to colleges i think there's only 70 schools or so uh, approved by the national organization um, 70, that does 70 plus it's a very it's a very small number <laughs> um yeah 70 to 75 i would say uh schools that do implement music therapy hey i'll yeah. take that over 7 or 10 you know so you're like, right you know what i should be more optimistic <laughs> 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 yes i i know i think i think if i if i just want to uh, want to guide someone to look at you know music therapy as a curriculum You know, yeah. if there's seventy or seventy-five, that's still like a plethora of options out there. You're and, right. You're so right. Yeah, and it seems you. like you know, <laughs> along the length and breadth of the country, that's still like a great number. Uh, yes. What about uh, some targeted areas or population segments? This is very useful in. What would you say to that? Is it like I know you talked about you know neurological space, the education, and all of that. So mm-hmm. how in your experience um mm-hmm. right from the time you know you were in the education uh rather you were getting educated you know you were in school say from any internships and from the time that you're working right now mm-hmm. what segments do you think this kind of caters to the best like would it be children would mm-hmm. it be the neurological aspect what what would it be you know i think and i'm going to cheat with my answer again and say every population truly can benefit like there is no the best answer because it really comes down to the music therapist and their relationship with whoever they're treating so uh-huh. if it's the best in that environment then then there's your answer you know because i feel like 
if you truly care about music therapy and you're truly taking the time to be trained in this profession and trained and certified, and you've gone through so much education at that point and so much practice in college, we have practicums where we're kind of basically thrown in (laughs) head first and they just Uh kind of like do a session with real people. You know, you, you do that when you're 20. So it's, so you start off in that, you know, magical music therapy environment where you are introduced to so many different kinds of populations. I was placed in a hospital. I was placed in schools. I was placed in a behavioral health setting. So it's very, they just really want you to get a taste of every single population because they want you to figure out what you love best and what you are Uh most accommodated to, to treat. So, um, that is, I feel like the best population affected by music or that can benefit from music therapy is, is truly everybody, anybody that's seeking it out. Okay. So yeah. if you were to say how a typical session would look like, what would it be? And mm-hmm. how different is it from someone say, I just play some music and I listen to it on my own. So yeah. how the different genres come into play and how is this session um, say even when you have to tailor make it to certain individuals after Mm -hmm. the assessment how do you go about it Shreya? I love that question Um, I feel like that question isn't asked often enough because there are a lot of misconceptions about music therapy Um, Uh but I can only tell you my perspective since I practice the music therapy with my client. I would hope they're having an enjoyable experience. Um, <laughs> but from my side of the view, I feel like my first um, my first step in any music therapy session is to make sure that my client is comfortable and they feel safe. And it is a very non-invasive practice. Mm -hmm. So that's the best part about it is that it's very non-threatening just so that they're comfortable enough to be themselves. If it is an individual setting in a group, I would make sure that everybody feels that way. So that's my first step. Um, And then the next step is to, if it was a first session in an individual setting, I would probably assess them, kind of just throw a bunch of activities um, at them once they've, you know, gotten acclimated to their environment and touched all the instruments or like, you know, gotten used to me and gotten used to Uh where they are, just to see what they gravitate towards, kind of figure out their um, preferred music and their preferred styles, if they're a student, you know, what instrument are they grabbing? And what what sounds and um, sensations do they enjoy the most? And then kind of see where their deficits are. What What is difficult for them? Are they able to hold an instrument all the way around if there's a grasp? Are they able to hear certain parts of um, sound? Are they able to um, respond when I call their name? All those different uh-huh. elements. And then... From there, I would devise a treatment plan um, with goals and objectives and break it down further into very specific tasks. Suppose my student is needing to learn um, numbers zero through nine and maybe they're 12 and they have a significant developmental delay. You know, that is a very um, you want that basic element for for them to have if they're not able Mm -hmm. to count numbers. Maybe I would devise an activity you know, with color-coded instruments and sing a little song of um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. And then I would, you know, touch the red one and see where that falls within that number scheme. Mm-hmm. Devising fun games using music would probably be 
um, my favorite way of, of addressing an academic goal in a music therapy session. If I wanted better um, eye contact, maybe I would have them pass a ball around between me and them singing a song at the same time to keep them engaged. So uh-huh. it's very, and I would also have to keep in mind transitions between each activity. I can't have them getting bored. I need to assess if they're about to, you know, suddenly throw something, you know, kids are so, <laughs> they're so uh-huh. all over the place sometimes. So I feel like it's just, that's where all that training comes in. And that's why there are some things that music therapy is not when you're simply listening to music on like a Saturday evening, that's more of entertainment. I'm not here to entertain. I'm here to help you achieve a goal, you know? Uh So that's, that's my purpose. And that's why I took this profession on. And, you know, several people can claim music therapy is, is, I mean, or music itself is therapeutic and they would be right, but whether it's music therapy or not would be a different question. Okay. Okay. So then how much of creativity does one need to have? It seems like Mm -hmm. there's a lot of on the fly stuff involved too, correct? Definitely. Definitely. And improvisatory music therapy is another approach. Um, That's like a Nordoff and Robbins approach. Those people are (laughs) off the charts creative. Um, Uh I like to have, I like to have a very structured session. I mean, it doesn't always work, uh, where I have pre-planned activities, where I do come up with a lot of my own interventions. And it does take a lot of creativity and it can be, you know, very demanding in that um, line of work, but I love it. <laughs> that's that's why uh-huh. I, I love it so much. And, you know, kids are so incredibly creative um, and I kind of feed off of their ideas and their stories and and the stuff that comes out of their mouths are just <laughs> sometimes so ridiculous, but it's, mm-hmm. it's so, it's, it's so enjoyable to take that and run with it in a music therapy session, you know, have them songwrite with me. And it's still able to address goals that, you know, they don't even realize that we're doing work in there. You know, it, mm-hmm. that's, it's so cool because they're so, you know, they're looking at all these fun sensory things and they're touching everything, but what they're not realizing is that they're improving socially. They have now just built a relationship with a whole stranger who is me. So that's something that they may not have been able to do if we weren't in a music therapy session. Things like that, when they don't realize that work is being done, uh, that's that's so cool to me. Because they're... Um, half the battle is one right there because you don't yes. judge them. You don't grade them. And yeah. Yes. Yeah. And it seems like you, you just kind of, when you say you feed off their energy, you know, sometimes you probably tweak your session to mm-hmm. whatever, you know, like uh, happens in the moment. Right. Definitely. I think improving and, and learning to be find your inner child when you're working with a child is is mandatory. <laughs> I feel like if you're going to be super serious and you know they're going to they're going to know, they're going to notice and they're instantly their ability of comfort will will decline, you know, if they notice that you're being very um toity toity and <laughs> not not focusing uh-huh. on them, you know, you need to have that back in a moment with our guest on Fresh Leaf Forever. And do you have to also, do you have to evaluate what genre one tends to gravitate to more than the other? Yes, definitely. That would definitely come in the assessment part of the um, 
treatment. So if, if they were to outright say to me, you know, I really dislike country music, you know, probably not going to use country music in that session or write country songs with them. Um, but with that comes experimentation, you know, just because you tell me you don't like country music, what if I present it to you in a way that could be enjoyable and then, you know, have your horizons be expanded? Uh, it, it's a very much like a, a, a trial and error situation too. I feel like it is allowed. You are allowed to make mistakes in a session. There's, <laughs> it's impossible to have a perfect session every single day. Um, and cause that's just how you would learn your client or your student. It's just, you wouldn't know what not to do if you didn't do it, you know? So I think they definitely will tell you what genres help. I feel like for little kids, a lot of rhythmic, um, songs is, is, and very repetitive songs are the way to go. I love structured songs for that reason with a very clear A, B form, um, just because they're easily, um, adaptable and they're also very easy to catch on to. Once a child can like start singing along to a very um, A form, B form song, they their confidence grows and they they're well mm-hmm. they're like I just learned a song and I you know it's maybe it's just two lines but that's growth. So it improves memory, it improves you know task behavior. So lots of different goals in that one little song. What about uh, duration of sessions? Like is it uh... Do you tend mm-hmm. to structure it and keep it a certain time frame? And how yes. often do you do? Yes, uh, it's it has to be a very strict time structure, mostly because you don't want your student or your client to leave feeling like they're exhausted. You want them to feel quite the opposite. You want them to feel like, yes, I did it. You know, I had a great day mm-hmm. in music. So I, especially, I think my director had a, a saying where she's like, your activities should be their age. So if you have a two-year-old, you're doing like a two-minute song. <laughs> and uh-huh. if you have a three-year-old, you're doing a three-minute song. And then, so it's like a, and then within that, there's disabilities. So how long can this person be standing? How long can this person be sitting? How long can I demand a task from them? You know, well, demand's a harsh word, but how long can I collaborate with them on this particular mm-hmm. intervention? So that they're responding in a way that's actually beneficial to them. I never want to hurt them or I never want to have them be like super tired. Of course, those things are going to happen. But I just feel like knowing your client and knowing how long they're they're able to be sitting or standing or performing in that session is, is so incredibly important. Yeah. Okay. And you talked about misconceptions earlier. So what would you say are some common misconceptions about music therapy? Hmm. Uh, <laughs> I have quite a few pet peeves on this one. <laughs> um, I feel like I've had some people come up to me before and say, Hey, I have a headache. Can you sing it away? And I'm like, Oh God, that's not what this is. <laughs> so <laughs> it's just kind of like, uh, there's that there's certain things like calling it by the wrong name, like sound therapy or musical therapy. You know, the credibility of this profession is so um, based in its name and based in what we do that if I were to go up to a speech therapist and kind of told them that they were a talk therapist, then, you know, that has a different meaning. So mm-hmm. it's so important for us to be known as music therapists and this profession to be known as music therapy. So when it's called something that it's not, it, it 
immediately removes that credibility away from it. It's no longer a mm-hmm. legitimate profession. Um, there are people, you know, that go into hospitals with guitars and um, volunteer to play music. And that's amazing. And that's awesome. But, you know, that's not music therapy because they're not going in with uh, a list of goals that they're trying to treat. You know, they're they're doing mm-hmm. it for entertainment at that point. So there is a very strong line of what music therapy is and isn't. and um, it's such a fun thing that it's it's easy to to blend those two and to kind of get it twisted because listening to music is therapeutic but is not music therapy you know so it's just a it's like a fine line of trying to explain that and and trying to prove what you do and there's also it's hard because if people are not watching you do music therapy it's hard to explain why that is music therapy or it isn't so I guess I'm hearing that it involves activity in which your client participates. So it's a question of uh, collaborative effort and making them participate. Mm-hmm. And in the process, you know, like without even someone realizing, yeah. you're trying to make them reach their goals. Right. If that's, if that's a correct assessment of what music therapy yes, is. Yes, it's purposeful participation, I would add to that. So like, it, it's very... Oh, very well said, very well said. Yeah, so it's very much like a, a an evidence-based um, uh, practice. So you want um, the kind of engagement that you would, eventually it would lead you to some kind of growth. So you want to be able to track that. Documentation is incredibly important in music therapy to assess where they are in the beginning to achieve, or even before that, to get a baseline and then assess where they are to create goals and objectives. And then throughout treatment, you are documenting every single session, every single thing that a patient is doing, that they are performing, that they're able to grow from or things that they're you know, not, not growing in and see why that's not the case. And maybe collaborate with other professions such as speech, OT, PT, you know, there's just the the collaboration could be endless with different professions and kind of if you're in a team, you know, um, kind of understanding why something isn't working and talking that out with another professional can be incredibly beneficial. So it's just kind of Uh documenting every step of the way, what the music therapist has learned and what the client is doing. And then at the end, having that evaluation and um, seeing if they need more treatment or, you know, what the next steps are. So that is music therapy. And so it can involve the client still playing an instrument. Like we talked about the scenario of somebody going to a hospital and playing a guitar and Mm -hmm. just offering or volunteering to, you know, do that. Mm -hmm. But then here it can still involve your client being participative in that effort of doing something. And um, what shall I say? Um, you know, getting better at whatever they, their goals are, mm-hmm. whatever your goals for them are. Yes. And participate yes. in playing an instrument. But it's not necessarily that, you know, they are just having someone do it for them and they are just watching. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's engagement versus participation. It's goal reaching. Or it's, sorry, it's engagement versus entertainment. And it's um, purposeful participation versus passive watching or passive listening. Mm-hmm. So it's a very mm-hmm. active mm-hmm. thing. It's very um, collaborational. So that's that's the cool part is there's a therapeutic relationship involved that, you know, kind of catapults the progress. I mean, it's a fine line, but it's still a very clear delineation of yeah. what it is and what it is. Very much yes. so. Yes. Yeah. Okay. 
physiologically how would you say it transforms a person hmm i think you know their goals and objectives are there for a reason so in any goal that you set you would want to see your client succeed in that um line so physiologically i would say if your goal is mm, communication or if your goal is you know if i was dealing with a stroke patient and i um implemented an activity like rhythmic auditory stimulation which was basically using a metronome or a very steady beat song in order for them to improve gait um if that's something that they've lost in their stroke like that's i feel like that would be a very physiological improvement now they are able to be balanced they're able to use both feet in a rhythmic um way to walk um and get their gait back which they probably lost after their stroke and you know it's just so in that like that's just one example so if i were to say mm, if someone was affected by a trauma and they're experiencing flashbacks or anything um triggering how can we use music to lessen those triggers for them to feel you know a little more um sensitized to or desensitized to something you know it's just kind of like again the possibilities are endless i feel like i keep saying that but mm-hmm. physiologically there's just there's so many ways music therapy can better you okay and does this have to be uh, in person um and do you need to have like a studio like setup mm-hmm. or we all are living in a virtual world right. most of the time except that we are kind of transitioning out now mm-hmm. perhaps mm-hmm. uh and that perhaps is you know i think you need to give so much emphasis to that perhaps mm-hmm. because you never know with all the covid variants and what yes. so can this yes. be done in a virtual setting yes or does this require like a a studio like setup and an in person session mm-hmm. You know, I think the the human connection is is so much more beneficial when it's when you're able to be in the same space as someone. Um but COVID has really forced music therapy as a profession to just grow even in that department. Like the amount of creativity that I have seen music therapists use um behind a camera to reach someone that was 40 miles away is just it's incredible. I think to engage someone that way there's I mean you can't make light of that either. Uh it's just it it definitely has covid has definitely forced music therapy to become virtual in a sense and telehealth to grow in that way. But for me personally, I there is nothing better than being in a little studio or a classroom with my kids um where I'm sitting, you know, maybe 3 feet away from them just engaging them in in the most personal way possible because with kids and special needs and in that department it's so difficult to have them sit without you know help or parents or someone helping them behind the scenes and i just think that kind of takes away some of the independence that we're trying to help them achieve so uh-huh. i really for me personally i love in person but there is it's definitely not wrong to do it virtually and it's it's definitely effective that way too Okay what about the future trends where do you see music therapy uh finding itself in the days to come um my hopes are big my dreams are big <laughs> i i've always oh i mean i, I guess i guess uh, that's always the right way to yes. look at anything <laughs> absolutely i've never been oh, the kind of person to sit here and tell you like it's never going to get better um i think 
COVID has definitely helped music therapy in a, in a way that um, it, more people are turning to different things to keep them engaged and different things to help them. And um, because of the whole quarantine process. So I feel like some businesses definitely took a hit in, in um, the music therapy world, but some businesses really figured it out and, you know, expanded their reach even. And um, I think the trends are, are looking good. They're, they're moving slower, but, but, definitely upward. And, and that's all we can really ask for. American Music Therapy Association is the national organization for music therapy. And their number one goal is to advocate and educate um, music therapy professionals in this world and support them. So I just think that as long as you are with your national organization, you know, the profession is only as strong as the, or the national organization is only as strong as the profession is. So if we can mm-hmm. grow in that department, we like it. We'll reach more homes, um, more patients, more clients. We, it's just the more people we can help. So I just think it, it is growing. It is definitely growing. Um, I just I hope for it to be this monumental thing. <laughs> oh, I'm sure you know that's fantastic. And I guess you know it doesn't have to necessarily be a wellness thing. Probably mm-hmm. it can even be like a team building exercise yeah. for organizations to incorporate. Correct. Absolutely. I mean, like that way, you know, like fostering better relationship amongst uh, teams and you know, like a team building exercise even in companies. You know, probably. Yeah. Uh, you know why not? You know, music has many facets to it, and. Um, I guess, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, um, from that standpoint, you know, do music therapists have to be trained in several musical areas or like different, be exposed to different instruments Mm -hmm. and knowledge of those? Yes. So, yes, that's a great question, too. I mean, wow, all of these have been really great. Thanks for letting me talk about them. Um, But (laughs) yes, you do have to be trained in, in several instruments in order to be a proficient musician. I feel like that's what they harp on in college a lot is that you are a musician first because that is your modality of communicating with another human and helping them. That is the main tool in this therapeutic profession. So um, they really do in the first two years of college expose you to a variety of instruments that you are required to become efficient in, um, like guitar, piano, percussion instruments, um, and voice. Uh, So guitar and voice, I would say, are probably towards the top of that list. And, um, you know, I, I don't know if I would even make a list. They're all very important. <laughs> so it's it's learning that music theory element, the aural skills element, how you audiate music and translate that to paper. You know, I have to be pretty good at improvising on instruments in order to support your clients. Um, having a knowledge of that music theory element is very important. And then the second half of that curriculum is the therapy aspect. So the science of how music therapy affects the brain, the psychology of music, um, those kind of go hand in hand. So it's a very awesome blend of the two. And, uh, you know, it's truly for people that don't want to perform and don't want to teach. (laughs) So if if that's not your route, you know, I would highly encourage someone to look into music therapy because it's a beautiful blend of the two. Um, Or I don't even know if it's a blend, but it's just, it's another option and that's awesome. So, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And what about your involvement with music, dance, choreography, and you even put out your own music? You know, you mm-hmm. released a CD, an album, mm-hmm. uh, and kudos to you for doing all of that. <laughs> so, how did all of that translate to you taking up music therapy mm-hmm. uh, as a profession, or even before that as a student? Mm-hmm. And how do you think all of your background helped you? in being successful at what you do. Mm-hmm. So I have a funny story. Actually, my mom uh, comes from a family of lawyers and I had always thought <laughs> I wanted to be a lawyer, a criminal justice lawyer uh-huh. out of everything um, because I love to talk and I can argue a decent amount. So <laughs> I feel like I just thought that that was my path. And when I started going into that, I, I wanted to help people. That was the That was the reason I chose that. But I just didn't I just felt like I that wasn't for me after I started like taking a couple of classes on it I was just like you know this is just really not what I thought it was or it's not for me and I always had music and dance in my life from when I was four I was Mm -hmm. just automatically gravitating towards that I would I went to a school in India Padma Sashatri where they just harped on dance and music so hard and you know academics was you know they were open about the fact that that's not always going to be their main focus you know it's it's going to be uh-huh. a very inclusive extracurricular school and i have always been that person and i just wanted to take that to the next level and make that my profession now making a hobby or profession can be somewhat scary because you don't want it to lose that that sparkle around it and luckily for me i had a great support. And I was just so immersed in that world already. It just felt like natural for me to go into it. My choir teacher, when she first told me about it, um, you know, like I said, I was 16 and she said, your personality and, you know, your interests kind of align with this profession, music therapy. And when she said those two words together, I was like, oh my gosh, I don't even know what this is yet, but it's mine. (laughs) So I just Mm -hmm. kind of Mm -hmm. felt such a strong, um, I just resonated it with it so well that I started to look into it. I went um, for shadowing in Fulton County when I was um, like 18, two years later, and I fell in love with what I saw those music therapists doing. And then I majored in it in college and it definitely had some ups and downs. I'm not, I'm not the most, um, while I do love performing, I, it didn't give me the same amount of joy as when I would sit, um, in a session and with people that, you know, I was collaborating with versus performing and entertaining. So um, I just knew that that was just what I was meant to be doing. Okay. So your initial uh, days, your education in India, and then subsequently moving to the States and mm-hmm. uh, middle school, mm-hmm. high school here and uh, college, you know, like, mm-hmm. it seems like, you know, that's been like a wonderful experience as far as music and how you have helped uh, translate your interest in music into something that's productive for others and that's uh, commendable what about your goals for the future and what info would you like to put out to the world you know we have listeners in uh, over 65 countries and in all six continents and wow uh, congratulations oh my gosh that's amazing to hear wow hi everybody that's so cool (laughs) 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 that's awesome um I would just say that music therapy can 
definitely transform your life if you take the time to to look into what it is. And and I mean, I I am somewhat of a newbie in this profession, and um, I'm still like very much learning what it can even encompass. You know, I haven't even started professionally practicing yet. I'll start next week, but yeah, not to say that I haven't been doing music therapy, but it's just. I'm still so new and I'm still learning so much and there is so much to learn that that it truly is so humbling and such a rewarding um, profession, I would say. It really is just using music to achieve non-musical goals. And if you can find a trained professional to help you through that, that that is what music therapy is. So I, that's, that's okay. what I want people to know. It's just what it is and advocate for the profession. Okay, yeah. wonderful. And how about, you know, is there like a directory of music therapists? How does one mm-hmm. find someone in their area? Yeah, you can go to the American Music Therapy Association website. Um, it's ANTA.com. I believe on Google, I think it can, you can get mixed up with the Massage <laughs> Association uh, yeah. because I think they have the same acronym or something like that. So be careful of that. <laughs> That's a little different. Yeah. Um, but definitely, just you can even googling like music therapist near me and see if they're a certified uh, professional. Um, and in some states, they have licensure. Uh, even it's not in all states yet, but that's something that we're working on too. Is just expand that and make that a more credible profession um, in every state. But yeah, just going on the AMTA website, there's a whole slew of um, private practices and um, other businesses that music therapists contract at. So yeah, you'll definitely find something near you if you look on that website. Okay. Yeah. So uh, look for the correct one. And uh, (laughs) that's the message louder. Yeah. You certainly don't want massage (laughs) therapists playing music (laughs) there for you and calling it therapy. You know, you really want to go to a certified music therapist. Uh, Thanks so much, Shreya. Such fun talking to you and having you on the show. And uh, thank you so much. I think that was certainly some insightful information there about music therapy and music therapists worldwide. Mm -hmm. And listeners, keep uh, following the podcast and uh, keep enjoying the podcast. And I certainly will um, talk to another important and uh, insightful guest again in the future Mm -hmm. and bring it out to you. Meanwhile, please follow me on Instagram at YP Kumar for all things digital media and lifestyle. See you back again soon. Until then, it's your host, Vai, saying so long. (music) 